Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petum here as always and we're finally back for another opposition match preview ahead of Saturday's game against Crystal Palace at Sellers Park. Of course, we need an opposition fan for this to make sense, and it's so good to have these back on the podcast. It feels like with the international break and not having one, I believe, right before that, it feels like forever. But nonetheless, I did track down a Crystal Palace fan, and that is D from the back of the Nest podcast. A very nice play on words, D, I have to say. But anyways, how's it going for you? It's going good. Um, actually, it's, it's been going better, let's just say that. After the Burnley game, it did annoy me a bit. Uh, but as a Palace fan, I can't complain because where we are right now compared to where we were um, about six months ago, which is absolutely ridiculous in all honesty. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a whirlwind for you guys. I mean, same with us. I'm in different circumstances. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, you guys leave um, letting go Roy Hodgson, I should say bringing in a new manager of course is always one of those things where you never know how it's going to go and we're just finding that out for ourselves right now with Steven Gerrard as well so we'll have to see at the end of the season how Vieira does versus uh, Gerrard as well and kind of give better um, summaries around that time but we'll we'll start always with the Palace perspective because we like to get an opposition kind of point of view on their sides and I know a lot of Villa fans like to kind of get that um, internal view on other clubs it's been an interesting start for you guys. I think it was a, a slow start. I think a loss on the opening day, followed by, I think it was a draw and then another loss, if I'm thinking correctly, something around there. Yeah. And then really from there, it's been what, four or five draws in the bounce, a few wins here and there. And you guys are really honestly flying in mid table right now. But uh, what have you made of it? You know, the start that we've had, it was actually so cruel because when you actually look at the fixture list, I believe that even statistically, we've had the hardest fixtures going into the season. We've only played, what, 12 games so far and we've already faced all of the top eight, basically, apart from my United. And the only two games that we've lost to so far this season has been against Chelsea and Liverpool against very quality sides. And in the Liverpool game, it was 3-0. But I say this to every opposition fan. Um, Jurgen Klopp did mention that it was his hardest 3-0 victory in his career because it was just basically set-piece set piece goals and we actually had a very good game. It, it didn't feel like a 3-0 defeat. So as a Palace fan, I've been very surprised. As you've mentioned, we've got a new manager in and this manager is completely different to Roy Hodgson in the other end of the spectrum attacking football likes to press all of that modern football stuff that we haven't seen at Crystal Palace for a very long time so the job that he's done so far considering that we're only what three points off the top six which sounds absolutely ridiculous um considering that we've dropped some points that we should have definitely won against likes of Arsenal last second goal from a corner against Brighton last second goal kick um, error if they were, if we won them games and right now we're talking about beating 
a couple points off the top four. So it's been a ridiculous start for us. And the scary thing is now we've got so-called winnable games. So how do we do now? And if you pick up more points and more wins, which we should do in theory, but this, this again, is Crystal Palace. So we quite worked the other way around. Then the sky's the limit for us. Like, I'm not too sure what we can achieve. Yeah, it's one of those things too. I think I was just looking at the table this morning and I think it's seven points between Arsenal and fifth. And I think... Um, can't remember who's in 16th but anyways it really is just an absolute chop and change right now and we see this every season but we always act surprised but the one thing I, I do want to specify and kind of get you to dive in a little bit more is the change from Roy Hodgson to Patrick Vieira it's a completely different style of management style of play and everything like that was for you and I, I know from a, a few other Palace fans I've spoke to in the past was it one of those things where you looked at Roy and thought you know what thank you very much appreciate you stabilizing the club and now it's just time for a little bit more excitement to finally push on and progress in the Premier League enough with that kind of you know what we'll take that 14th place finish every year and you know what we'll take it from there is it time to kind of move on from that? We desperately needed this change. It was coming to a point where last season, of course, there was a lockdown and we couldn't go to games and that hurt us even more. But we just, since we got promoted um, about nine years ago now, the only different manager that we've had, apart from the likes of Sam Allardyce, Tony Pulis, Neil Warnock, um, Alan Pardew, Roy Hodgson. So all of your throwback English managers that keep you up. We've only had Frank De Boer. And at, we was approaching that stage now saying, okay, as a football club, like, what are we trying to do? Because if it's just to stay up, it was just getting boring. It's the same thing every season. And under Roy Hodgson, when he did come in, he'd done a brilliant job in terms of keeping us up because Frank De Boer, it was such a messy start. We brought in a different manager. I didn't back him with the players and it just didn't work out. So Roy Hodgson did keep us up. And in his second season, it was well as well. But after the third and fourth season, it was just getting so dire. I reached a point where I love my football club. I haven't missed a single game this season, home or away. But I was reached a point saying, what is the point? Because I'm, I'm trying to support something, but I know the lineup before we even play the game. Like, it's so obvious. He didn't make any changes. It was the same thing week in, week out. We treated League Two sides in the cup, in the cup like they were prime Barcelona. It's the same approach, same players. So... We needed this change. And this Vieira change, in a way, was a surprise because we had other managers lined up and there were other, you know, Nuno that went to Tottenham. He was linked with Palace and we actually rejected him due to his demands. And we had uh, Lucien Favre before at Dortmund. So Patrick Vieira was the underdog story, but I liked it because we needed someone like that. And you know what? So far, it's worked out well. And of course, we don't know how it's going to work out in the long term. But it was a risk that we needed to take because it was getting too stale at the club and we brought in new players as well. So I'm just happy as a Palace fan for once <laughs> since we got promoted after the Frank de Boer era. We've gone for a different route and it has paid off so far. Yeah, it's crazy to honestly think that Palace have been in the Premier League for that long. Um, in that time, Villa have been relegated and promoted back yeah. to the Premier League, of course. And hopefully I never have to go through that again, to be honest, because um, back in the day when I made different content um, on YouTube, it was very depressing to do predicted XIs on a team that was already relegated. But anyways, um, those days are long gone and hopefully they never return. The other thing I want to touch on, and of course, 
with Vieira, it's always a risk. It's the same thing with your Lampards, your Gerrards. You look at any ex-player, you don't always know if they're going to be the best manager. Will that correlate? Of course, Vieira has some experience, and I do applaud him from going abroad and trying different things out and succeeding in some and failing in others. And I think that makes not only a better manager, but a more well-rounded person. Your transfer window is very, very interesting as well. Uh, Loney's or Loney from Chelsea, of course, and Connor Gallagher. Um, I think you brought was it Gaye as well. Um, I think it was, yeah, yeah from uh, Chelsea too. Um, a very interesting window. Very underrated players that a lot of people probably thought, is this really Premier League quality? Is this what's going to a keep them up or to push them on? Really. Where did you kind of sit initially with these signings and how do you sit with them now? I talked about a manager and that we needed a change and the squad needed to change as well because we had one of the oldest squads in the Premier League with the oldest manager. It was just like, where are we going towards? And some neutrals did actually say, well, Palace have brought in a new manager and, you know, new players as well, younger players. And now they haven't got that experience. But what we've done as a football club is... Instead of it being all experience, we've actually got balance in the squad now. We've got experience and young players because at the end of the day, it is a business. And by having all these aging players, you don't have any sell-on value. With the players that we've got now, if we grow them and if they grow into the potential that, that they can go into, which so far all, this, all of the signings have been absolutely brilliant, then in the future, Palace can sell them on, make profit and then you know find the next gem. So we needed this change and... It happened with the transfers as well. All signing so far, I can't think of one signing that was actually bad over the summer, have pretty much worked out. And we've actually spoiled for choice now because we've got youngsters like Olise, who was linked with Bayern Munich. And now he's on a Palace bench and he seems like he's happy with it so far because we've got so much, you know, depth and talent in the squad. So it has worked out in the summer. We have got more balanced squads. And now we can actually kick on with it. And it actually helps us because Patrick Vieira, as I mentioned with the Frank de Boer era, we didn't have the players to play that style of football. But what Palestine now is they got rid of the manager. They brought in a manager and they backed him. And with the defenders that we've got, Joachim Manis and Mark Way, both very good on the ball. So that suits Vieira's style of, um, style of play. Conor Gallagher, a high energy, you know, likes to press. Suits him. Elisa, Tanks on the ball. So all the players made sense. And the manager fits in well with them. And you can see the impact that he's had on the players, new players and the older players as well so far. Oh, absolutely. That's the one thing too, is I've definitely, I have to be guilty of this unless it was, I think it was when you guys would constantly beat Liverpool um, in those shock victories that ultimately upset them a few times more than it probably should have. Um, Aside from that, I don't know how many Palace games I've probably watched unless Villa are playing them. This season I've watched quite a few and it's because of how exciting Palace have been as a club and as a side this season, just with it could be a three all draw against Burnley, which is mental that Burnley can score three goals. No offense to them. Um, I, I love the Burnley fans that I deal with, but yeah, um, whether it's that or a, a two all draw with West Ham, who are absolutely flying this season. The one thing or I had the two things that I look at in your side that I'm most impressed with is Connor Gallagher and, of course, a reinvigorated Christian Benteke, which we know all too well what Benteke can do. Um, from his time, of course, at Villa um, pre-relegation, I must say. Um, and of course, things didn't work out for him at Liverpool. But ever since then, he's come to Palace and he's been a kind of a stop-start thing. And this season, he just seems like a completely different player. It's almost like the old Benteke is finally back. So if you could, D, could you quickly speak about Connor Gallagher and his kind of impact on the squad so far and then Christian Benteke as well? 
I just love Conor Gallagher. Like, I just, I love him to bits. He, in my eyes, he cannot leave Palace. He's a Crystal Palace player already. He just cannot go back to Chelsea. Conor Gallagher, look, we, he, he, was at, he was in the Premier League last year. We saw him at West Brom. And, you know, he was, he was a very good player. But this Conor Gallagher, I don't think anyone has seen. Not Chelsea, not Palace, no one. Because once again, he's coming to Palace and the system helps him a lot. He's a player that is going to run for 90 minutes. He's, he seemed like he's, 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 a fan, he's a fan favorite already. And it seemed like, you know, he's a Palace player. He's not player out on loan. You know, when players come out on loan and then they try to prove, but he seems like he cares more than any other player on the pitch, whether we draw, whether we win. A loan player shouldn't care that much because at the end of the day, they're going to be going back to the club. But Connie Gallagher is that type of character. Very good on the ball, um, can create chances, defensively tracks back. He's a proper box-to-box player. And, you know, without Connie Gallagher, we talk about Bentekes and we talk about Zahas, but without Connie Gallagher, I'm not too sure if he would be in a position when right now. He's he, what he's done this season so far for Patrick Vieira has been absolutely ridiculous. And then you know, mentioning Christian Benteke, we haven't seen this Benteke before at Crystal Palace. Maybe actually, let me not lie. In this first season when he joined us, he did score 17 goals, and people tend to forget about that because it was mm-hmm. such a long time ago. I can't, I can't what four or five years. I can't remember, maybe longer than six, seven years ago now. Um, and. After that, he picked up an ACL injury. We've had, as I mentioned, lots of different managers, um, and he really couldn't settle in. And we're talking about we're talking about Roy Hodgson, and lots of Palace fans um, don't like to talk about Roy Hodgson because it's like let's move on. But quick example under Roy Hodgson, Roy Hodgson talked about Benteke being a defensive striker. That's a term that I've never heard of in football. A striker that is due to defend. It's like you're contradicting his actual role. So it didn't suit his style of play. But what Vieira has done right now with Benteke is that. He said, you are that guy. Go out there, be in them positions. And, you know, he's getting in the right positions at the right time. And also the type of football that we're playing, we're creating chances for him. So this Benteke that we've had, he was absolutely fantastic against Burnley. He scored four goals already this season. He feels like the old Benteke that we've seen at Villa. Maybe not quite at that level, but we haven't seen this Benteke before for a very long time, apart from his first season where he scored goals. So, Benteke, once again, you have to... I don't think it's a coincidence. Patrick Vieira comes in, we change our style of football and we actually use him to his strengths and he starts scoring goals. Um, but before that, everyone said Benteke is done and dusted because he's not scoring... Well, he can't score goals if he don't create chances or if he's back in his own box defending um, for his life. Uh, that That's how simple it was. So it goes down to Vieira again. I truly believe that Vieira has given him the confidence, which is very important for Benteke and also the system as well. Both of them combined is created this Christian Benteke that, you know, that hasn't really been seen in the Premier League by Premier League fans for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that I've always kind of known about Benteke, especially with his time at Villa, you know, when he's really on it, when he's, he's not the quickest striker by any means, but when he's taking players on, and I've seen that now this season with Palace, that's when you know he's confident um it, it comes and goes in waves but uh, when it does come in that wave you're very very pleased i'm i'm still annoyed that i didn't put him in my uh, fpl team last weekend i was debating <laughs> getting rid of ivan tony for him and i guess it technically would have worked out two goals versus one but anyways we live and learn and we move on and hopefully uh i decide to make a better choice uh, this coming weekend but uh before we actually get on to the game itself and quickly kind of talk about that what's the general expectation for Palace for the rest of the season for you and for any Palace fans you speak of because I listen to some podcasts where you might have the odd Palace fan come on and 
they think, you know what, mid table's good. Some others say, you know what, we'll take what we always get and that'll be a little bit lower. And then you'll have some that are very brave and go, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Where do you sit with that? It's, it's very hard because this season, as I've mentioned so far, we've faced the toughest op- opponents. We beat, you know, Tottenham. I, I know it was under Nuno. But recently, about three games ago, we went to the Etihad and we beat Manchester City at their own ground 2-0 with keeping a clean sheet. At, like, that is... Top teams can't do that. Right now, you know, seeing the likes of PSG facing City, they're having a tight contest and we managed to go beat them 2-0 away from home. So what this shows is that this Palace side on their day can beat anyone. And I truly believe that from what I've seen after 12 games. Um, So the expectations going into the season was a bit, I wasn't too sure. I think mid-table to, you know, challenging top half would have been good. But right now, it, it all depends on where we are during the Christmas time because, as I've mentioned, we face all them tough opponents and from now till Christmas, we've got so-called winnable games where we should be trying to pick up more points. And if we do go to pick up the more uh, pick up more wins like that, then our expectations should be top half because, you know, we would, we're right now three points off the top six. I'm not saying top six or t- um, top four finish. That's I'm not getting away with it. But, you know, if we do go pick up the wins here, then we can easily fight for top half finish. So it will depend. Some Palace fans still saying that. They'll be happy we're just staying up because, you know, <laughs> you're staying up in the Premier League for another year. So it depends on which Palace fan you ask. Realistically, my expectations have improved. I think I'm expecting more from these players based on what I've seen so far. And it all depends on what Palace I turn up because, as I mentioned, we beat my City away from home too, you know, then you go and draw 3-3 against Burnley, which, you know, that's the Premier League for you, but it gets very frustrating <laughs> to go and watch that happen in a short span of time, especially when, when you want to pick up points. So Christmas time, if you ask me that question, I'll give you more clear answer. But for now, I'll say pushing for top half or top half finish would be good. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll have to get you back on around the reverse fixture and see how your expectations have changed. <laughs> we always do that when we get the same person on in the same year or even the year after. And it's it's interesting to see how their kind of mindset has changed, either it's very high, sit in the middle, or it's at the lowest of lows. And I feel like I've experienced all three of those in the last probably few seasons with Villa. But nonetheless, let's get over to the game. Of course, it's 10th versus 15th, 16 points for Palace, 13 uh, for Villa and a stat that I'm not exactly sure if it's true. I'm sure I could look it up um, and I probably should have looked it up, but I heard it this morning and I thought it was interesting. So I'm just going to go for it. Apparently the last six games between Villa and Palace, whoever's been the home side has won. Um, if only football was as simple as that. Um, so you'll actually have to tune in and watch that Villa fans. And if Palace fans are listening to this as well um, to tune in and see what that happens. And of course, the the one that always comes to my mind was our uh, the 1920 season. Uh, Henry Lansbury scored in the last minute and I got waved off. And I still to this day don't know why. Um, in my DAZN stream, decided to cut out two seconds after that with no reason as to why they just ended the game that way. Imagine, um, yeah. Imagine, imagine us last season when you went to go, you picked up, you was with 10 men. You had 10 men. You got a red card. I think it was Mings that got sent off. Oh, yes. And then you absolutely destroyed us with 10 men. You cut off there. Well, I had to stick with the watch long that we were doing during lockdown to keep, you know, <laughs> Palace fans excited. And trust me, you, I, I haven't watched back that video, but if you go watch it back, there's a complete different tone to me. There's a complete different, you know, energy to me. Like, that's what I mean. Like, you, you could complain about that, but I had to witness that on the Roy Hodgson. We was at your ground, of course, but you had 10 men. And when you got that 10 men, we played worse. It doesn't make sense even now, but it happened. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. Um, 
you know what? I'll prioritize mine a little bit more. I'll be honest because <laughs> at one point could have made us a little bit more comfortable, comfortable in the final day. And I never want to go through that against West Ham ever again. Um, so anyways, I'll, I'll take the, the, uh, the top spot in that one, just because it's my podcast. So I guess I can do what I want, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like I said, let's kind of get onto the game here briefly. It, it's an interesting one because the table is so jam packed with where both teams are right now. So what are you expecting out of this one on Saturday? My expectations have changed after the Burnley game, in all honesty. I think going into going into this round of fixtures, I mean, we beat Wolves 2-0 as well, and I, that was meant to be a tough game, and they, they were at home, and we just absolutely, you know, it was so comfortable for us. Like, I was in shock as well. I was like, what is going on? Like, I thought they were meant to be a decent side, and we just brushed them 2-0 aside. And then afterwards, the last game just, it frustrated me. It depends on how you guys play. So if you play on the floor, I'm confident. Uh, but if you play like Burnley, which hopefully you don't, because with all due respect, who wants to play like Burnley? Um, <laughs> if you do that, then, you know, it, it will, my expectations completely change. I, we just, we struggled with just balls over the top and set pieces. It was that simple. We were pressuring the team, but that pressure was hurting us because they kept hoofing the ball up and we could not hack it. Like, it was so, so bad from us. It was just unbelievable. We scored the three goals, but... Some of the goals that we've conceded, it's, it was so avoidable. Even their third goal was very good, but it was another header, just constant header. So if you hoof the ball up, it, you will have a very good chance. And if Steven Gerrard looks at the last game, that's what he will do. But if you don't do that, then I'll be confident because so far this season, we haven't lost a game at home um, and we face some tough opponents as well. So it depends on how you guys approach it. So you tell me. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one, to be honest, because, I mean... It's it's hard to really read into Gerard's first game in management against mm. Brighton because, to be honest, we started off very well, which seemed like typical Villa. Either we start off the first 10, 15 minutes poorly, then get into it, or we'll start off really well and just kind of, it'll be kind of a 50-50 or 60-40 game for the other side. And that's exactly what happened. And then basically at the end, very much like when we beat Everton early in the season 3-0, we just blitz them at the end. I, I think the one thing that's helped us so far is, and the one thing that Gerard referenced as well is we suffered for like 60 minutes. We let them get their chances out. We kind of controlled them. We could, and we can move the ball around. And the one difference I've already noticed from at least Dean Smith running out of ideas, which I have to say was at the end of his time to Gerard now is we're trying to keep the ball on the floor as much as possible. Uh, I would say, look to our uh, defensive back line to move that around because what was it Southampton before the um, international break? It was Mings who put up the pitch, Martinez who put up the pitch. Nothing was working. It was very much like you would expect Burnley to do, except Burnley have absolute uh, brutes up front. Burnley fans are going to hate us if they listen to this. But anyway, exactly. Um, <laughs> like, what's going on? Regardless, <laughs> just tuning in to Palace versus Villa preview, and it's like, wow, am I getting slated? <laughs> so Burnley fan, just listen I'm- to my club, but unsubscribing yeah. from this podcast but uh yeah but uh I, I do love some of the Burnley fans I've interacted with I have to say that but it's a very difficult way to assess it because you just don't know and I think probably from a Villa standpoint and let me know what you think it's kind of hard to read aside with a new manager after one game and kind of sit there and go you know what we can go at you x y and z when 
really. There's not a lot of tape to look at it in Jared, unless you're going back to Rangers, but good luck. I mean, the SPL is a completely different kettle of fish. So anyways, yeah, yeah it, it's a really tricky one. But the one thing I actually I want to get from you before we get to our score predictions as well is if you look at one area of the pitch from your perspective, what would you say is the weakest part of your side right now? If we're talking about weakest, I'll say def- in defence and down our right-hand side, we really struggled against Burnley down the right. They were just, they kept going down there, crosses into the box, and it was just so, so easy for them. Um, we've got Joel Wood playing there. He's had a good season so far, but the only reason why he's starting is because we haven't got any other real options. We've got Nathaniel Klein, but he hasn't really played for um, for a very long time. Is that you're laughing there? Um, if, if Nathaniel Klein is at Palace, he's still a footballer. Um, and we've got Nathan Ferguson, who joined from West Brom, but he he hasn't been fit yet to play. And Joe Wood, he's a, he's a great servant for the club because he's been playing for us for, I think he's reaching the 10 years mark. Uh, but he is our main weakness. And alongside him, you've got Yoki Manderson, who's not very good in the air. So that's the one side that really scares me after the Bernie game. But he's been solid so far. So I'm not that worried if you guys play on the floor. Because if you play on the floor, I think Joel Ward and Anderson can handle it. But if you start hoofing the ball up that side, then that, that just scares me after what I saw. Like, I'm still not over it. Um, so down our right-hand side, I would say that's our main weakness. Yeah, this should be interesting. And oddly enough, I don't know how um, if you ever believe in time, like timing works out for certain things. Right before we jumped in this call, I was just scrolling through Twitter and there was literally I can't remember. It was something about Palace. I don't remember the account, but it literally referenced the right hand side um, in some random tweet that was on my feed. I don't even think I followed them. But anyways, it, it works out in terms of timing. So it's it's funny you've actually brought that up. And it is interesting from our standpoint, too, because that side, you would have to say, that would obviously be our left. So that could be Ollie Watkins playing on the wing or Leon Bailey or um, Ashley Young or Al Ghazi. To be honest, I have no freaking clue who's going to start for us on that. <laughs> an absolute whirlwind. Just someone. <laughs> one of them. Lot, yeah, exactly. The one thing I can guarantee you is Matty Targo will be making overlaps when he can. So that's the one thing I definitely can tell you. But anyways, D, let's get to our score predictions. So could I get yours, please? All right. Let's just be a bit more positive. Um, Let's go with a 2-1 Palace victory. I don't think it's going to be easy. I really don't. I think Steven Gerrard, when you get a new manager in, he's straight away. He's the type of manager to have an influence. You can see on squads, um, you beat Brighton. I'm so happy for that. Thank you for that. But um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> thank you for that because that's another topic for another day. But yeah, um, 2-1 Palace. Um, we're, we're still unbeaten at home. So it's, I think it's going to be difficult for you guys to break us down. And luckily enough that that Burnley thing might help us in a way because Patrick Vieira did say that we're going to be working on our defence and set pieces and balls over the top. So I guess we should be better in that area. And if we continue the, the form that we've been on, seven games unbeaten, if we keep it eight unbeaten, um, I think that will have a nice little momentum as well. So I'm going to be positive. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go for T1 Palace victory. Fingers crossed, but it's not going to be easy. Fair enough. I, I I always say this, but I appreciate when opposition fans come on here and they're honest about it and they just don't go, oh, you know what, I'll go for a draw. I've noticed this season uh, Premier League fans are getting more bold, so that's always that's always good to see. Um, I'm going to reverse that. I will go 2-1 Villa, obviously. I think that's just an easy one. And we have 
a terrible run after this. I think we have City, Liverpool, and a few other ones kind of in there. And then, well, the awkward one, if Jack Grealish plays, will be the City one. And I think we have Norwich too. So within a month's time, we'll play our ex-captain uh, and ex-manager. So it should be a very emotional uh, December if Jack <laughs> Grealish is fit. But anyways, we don't have to worry about that anymore. But anyways, D, uh, let's wrap this one up. Thank you very much for joining me. And if you'd be so kind, feel free to share any of your uh, links or anything like that. Yeah, so it's back of the nest on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, Crystal Palace channel, just talking about all the latest things with Palace match reactions as well. And my personal account is at the uh, Palace if you want to follow me to you know ramble on ramble on about Palace after you know after someone gets set off about a Palace and then you guys are going to win, I'll be very salty. So if you want to go and see that and um, dig at me, then yeah, feel free to follow me as well. But yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. We'll have to do this again. And of course, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, it's at Talk Aston Villa. Of course, you can tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Email the podcast, holtcast at gmail.com. And of course, keep getting your donation into Acorns as well. We'll be ramping that up, as I always say for every single podcast now. People are probably tired of hearing it. Um, We'll be ramping all this up in December as well as we head into the festive season. But anyways, we'll leave it there. And don't forget up the villa selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.